Welcome back into the Main Streets Podcast. We didn't mean to leave you hanging for so long, but we did. I'm William Galloway, joined with Britton Johnson. We're excited about college basketball season that is just days away, and we want to talk about that with you. Britton wants to talk about it. I'm going to ask him about it because that's what this podcast is all about. Britton, welcome into another episode. Great to have you on. Yeah, yeah, it's a very exciting time of the year. Um, really probably the best time of the sporting year in general. You have football going on, World Series going on right now. College basketball is about to start up. NBA started up, I guess, last week. So it's just a very exciting time to watch and participate in sports. So, uh, you know, I'm doing well, excited for this upcoming week. What are they calling it on Twitter, like the eclipse, the sporting eclipse or something like that? Sport apocalypse. All, apocalypse, yeah, yeah, where they all happen in the same night, playoffs and things like that. Uh, I've had that happen a lot recently. Let's go ahead and start talking about a little college hoops. We're just days away from tip-off. Sanford is playing on Monday versus Anderson. Alabama opens up in Coleman Coliseum versus Longwood. Don't worry, listeners, we're going to have Sanford men's basketball content and Alabama basketball content on this podcast throughout the season, so we want you to stay with us and share this podcast with your friends. Britton, let's start at your current team. We'll get to your former team shortly. Tell me about what's been happening inside the Sanford program. Tell me about how your role has developed as you've gotten more time and more practice experience and kind of what you expect going into this first week of the season. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm really excited about this year. I think we have a really good team um, with an opportunity to do some really special things, uh, which is always exciting, you know. Um, With Oates coming in uh, my last three years at Alabama, it was kind of a similar deal of just an opportunity and obviously Alabama had a little bit more history it was the second winningest program in SEC history uh but in terms of recent success it was a fan base that was starving for success that they just hadn't had um recently and so uh to be able to win an SEC title that second year was so big and you know I think we have an opportunity to to make a similar type run uh at Sanford which is super exciting uh we have the players to do it we have the coaches to do it um you know, I'm going to be really excited to see how these next few weeks go. You know, you work so hard throughout the fall and um, summer and the spring, and it all leads up to this. Uh, you have these 30-plus practices of official in-season practices where you're just going up against your teammates every single day. And finally, you get to play a regular season game. So this upcoming week will be very fun. We have three home games, on one on Monday, one on Thursday, and one on Saturday. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, uh, not to be conflicted, possibly. Am I correct with the Alabama, uh, excuse me, Alabama LSU game? I'm a week ahead thinking about Ole Miss. What time's y'all's tip off on Saturday? So that'll, yeah, you're saying the Ole Miss game. Yeah, I think it's conflicting. I'm going to be. It is the Ole Miss game. I'm, I'm mixing my weeks up here. Yeah, no, you're good. But I, yeah, I'll be very stressed about that. You know, first, first priority will be our game and taking care of business. But, uh, you better believe if we have a nice little lead or something, I might try to lean over to someone in the crowd and see if I can get a score check because, um, you know, first we got to take care of business in Death Valley, but uh, I, th- that'll be a very nerve-wracking game, probably a top-10 game there as well. We're so. going to get we're gonna get to the college football playoff rankings, and like every other podcast in this world has probably already mentioned those. We'll get to that and give our quick uh, feedback and input on that towards the end of the podcast. Britton, let's talk about uh, you got – you know, three games as you tip off next week. Tell me a little bit about offensively, schematics. Things haven't really changed from Bucky's high school uh, 
tenure at Mountain Brook, and then now what he does at Sanford. So all of that was familiar for you coming in to Sanford. What's the overlap? What's the similarity of schemes, pace of play, the way you played at Alabama versus what you're playing now and what y'all are trying to implement as you really try and build a special season at Sanford? Yeah, so it's been it's been great for me in that um, both, you know, a lot that we're doing is is very, very similar to what we did in high school. So I was able to pick that up. But also just schematically, the way we play is very similar to how we played at Alabama. Um, so in terms of movements and, and uh, just pace of play, like I'm very, very used to it. It wasn't something that I was uh, not equipped for in any way. So that was a really easy adjustment, which was great. Um, you know, I think along with that, we have a little bit more stuff where it's just uh, player movement, ball movement, where, you know, Alabama was so dribble drive oriented. We still have a dribble drive offense, but it's a lot more pass cutaway type stuff. But in terms of pace of play, we, we want to be the fastest team in the country. So uh, I guess Alabama will have a competitor for most possessions played. So it, it's an exciting time. I've said this a few times, but just to be a fan of basketball in the state of Alabama, because, you know, I think people are starting to pay attention to what UAB is doing. They're going to have an incredible year this year. Auburn, I don't know if they're coming in the season ranked or not. They're looking pretty good. Obviously, their program's in a great place. And they uh, sell out every game, too. Well, you know, if, if you have a 2,000-seat stadium, it's not that hard. But uh, that's neither here nor there. And, uh, you know, obviously, if you haven't learned at this point that we're staunch believers in what Nate Oates is doing down in Tuscaloosa, uh, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, you. You probably haven't been listening. So, uh you know, and that's not to discount any of the other programs in the state, but just seeing the the big dogs, so to speak, do well, it raises the whole level of play for the whole state. And like I said, I think we have an opportunity to do something that's never been done before in school history. So it's just very exciting, and uh, it's amazing to see how the entire community, how the entire school has rallied around this team. Um, seeing the support build up through the last few games of the regular season last year, even though I wasn't there. Uh, it was it was just really cool to see, and, and it's it's starting at, if it ended on a 10, it's at least starting on a 9. So we're not having to have this crazy buildup. Everyone's already balled in, so it's just really exciting. Yeah, so you have uh, you had FanFest this afternoon at Sanford, recording this podcast on Thursday, uh, just a couple days before tip-off. Tell me a little bit about FanFest, and you talk about, you know, those games were crazy. That game against Furman, uh, the Pete Hanna Center was like I've never seen before, and that's because I didn't go to the game when Steph Curry played there in 08 or 09, whatever the year was. But tell me about the student buy-in. What's the hype on campus? Because when Bucky was at Mountain Brook, he was getting, as he first started, um, and kind of before he set the Nick Saban expectation of we're going to be in the championship every year, he had people going at pep rallies, and he gave great motivational speeches. And how is he getting and recruiting people on campus to get excited and be at all these home games this season? You know, the first thing I'll say on that is that and it's something I, I don't know if I said on this podcast, but it's something I've said to anyone who will listen, is that one of Coach Bucky's most underrated abilities is his ability to get buy-in from the entire community. Um, obviously, he's an incredible coach. He knows the X's and O's well. He knows how to motivate his players incredibly well. And he knows how to get them in shape, trust me. But A lot of running. A lot of running, there's no doubt. But the ability to get buy-in from everyone, to make everyone feel like they're a part of what the team is doing. Uh, you know, we saw it at Mountain Brook from like first grade up. All these kids would come to the game in their neon shirts 
and they felt like they were a part of it, whether it be because they came to these buckyball camps or they met some of the players. I don't know what exactly would lead up to it, but the entire community was bought in, and we're seeing that again with Sanford. The entire student body's bought in. Like you were saying, we had a fan fest today, and you know, I, I'm terrible with numbers and being able to like estimate, but hundreds of students were there, and um, three years ago, even two years ago, possibly even last year, hundreds of students didn't care about Sanford basketball at the very beginning of November. Yeah, I mean, and it's been really cool to, to walk around campus and um, have people just literally come up and tell you, like, hey, I'm really excited to watch y'all play this year. Um, and just, you know, just say that this is what they've been looking forward to since the beginning of school. And so it's a very cool thing. And, and, and the other thing that I – you know, we talk about how Alabama's a championship school, and it is. Uh, you know, we just have a high-level expectation in all sports. Sanford's kind of that way in the SoCon. Uh, and it's really cool to be able to watch the other sports teams and support them. Uh, soccer's won, like, nine championships in a row. It's it's unbelievable. Football's having an unbelievable season. So to have all of these different programs succeed year after year, track wins everything. Um and, and just to be able to actually like join in on it and, and, you know, hey, we're actually trying to reach the standard as well and join in what y'all are doing. It's, it's really cool, and it's kind of not only is it a student body supporting the athletes, but it's also an athlete-supporting athlete community that's uh, really special at Sanford. Yeah, let's let's jump to the X and O's, X's and O's here on this podcast before we talk uh, as we kind of wrap up a little bit of conversation about Sanford. Tell me a little bit about guys that are coming back. We're not going to go through the whole roster. We can break down, you know, every every scholarship guy, non scholarship guy on Sanford. Uh, there's a lot to these players, and you know all these guys really well. But when it gets to the key guys like Quez Glover and Logan Die, what are we going to expect to see from that duo and some of the leaders of this team who were on uh, this team last year, and even some before they had the success that they had last year at Sanford? You know, I think we have a very talented team. Um, I'd also say that maybe the greatest strength of our team is our depth. Um, we're returning uh, the majority, the vast majority of the contributors from last year, and I've brought in some great new pieces as well. You talk about Bubba Parham, uh, who's going to be an absolute stud. He he was incredible at VMI, and he transferred to Georgia Tech and was good there and um, is coming back, and is I mean, he's going to tear it up this year. And so he and Quez will be – not even just the best backcourt in the SoCon, not even just you know the best backcourt maybe in low major, mid major basketball. Uh, they'll be one of the best backcourts in the country, and so that's gonna be really exciting to be a part of and to you know just on a nightly basis watch those guys work and and you know hopefully help and join into what they're doing. Um, you know, Quez is unbelievable. His ability to hit the mid range shot. You know, Bucky's a lot like. Uh, Coach Oates, and that he not a huge fan of the mid range. Uh, it's a lot of layups, a lot of threes, but Quez is so dynamic as a mid range shooter that they have no choice but to let him shoot it. Uh, he is the I think he made the most mid range shots at certain spots on the floor in the country last year. Sixteen or seventeen foot range, maybe it was anywhere from fifteen to seventeen. It, yeah. He had the highest percentage of all of college basketball, yeah. and so you know. The Oates method of mid-range, people think that, you know, you pull up to campus and he just is immediately like, you're never going to shoot a mid-range shot ever. No, in, in summer he lets you get those shots up, and then he'll get to the end of the summer and he'll show you the chart of, hey, you're shooting 37% on your mid-range shots, which might not sound bad until you realize it's 0.74 points per possession, right? 
Quez shoots it so efficiently that it is a good shot. And and you don't hear that a lot. So uh, his ability to shoot the ball. And beyond that, I think those guys in the full court, you know, one thing that's really special about what we do is we press the entire game. So And that's not a secret. Yeah, it's not a secret. It's not like I'm, I'm giving you some uh, uh, secret scouting info of this team. Like everyone who is going to play us knows that we are going to press all 94 feet, all 40 minutes of the game. Uh, obviously, the presses will switch up, but their ability to pressure in the full court is going to really wreak some havoc havoc on uh, opponents. Uh, and you know, I can get into a hundred different guys, like you said, Logan dies, uh, really, really good, um, and he's going to give us an advantage every single game, just about in the post. Um, and you know, he's a fifth year senior, just like me, so he has that experience, and I, I think he's really going to use it and have a special year. I could talk about Jermaine Marshall, who's really just in a lot of ways, the heart and soul of the team and the way he just night in and night out is the hardest playing player on the floor. Um, and I, I think a lot of this goes back to a couple years ago, Bucky was saying, you know, it, it you don't build this overnight. It's going to take a couple years. And I think he is probably ahead of schedule and where he thought he'd be in building this program and the fan base and all these things. Because he talked about when everybody came in and it was COVID summer and he was hired all these guys were young. They were freshmen, sophomores. Some of them were transferred juniors, but no one really had experience playing at this mid-major level um, at the pace and the high level that he wanted to play at. And so this is, in no in no sense has he arrived, but this is where he wanted to be. And I think it's exciting that this is coming up and this is this was his expectation of this is what I want this program to become. And not just a one-year thing, but to build it and to make it the culture. And that's exactly what it did at Mountain Brook uh, over, about, I guess, a decade and a half ago. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And uh, look, obviously, I, I wouldn't be coming back to Sanford if I wasn't a big believer in, in Bucky. I could spend all day talking about how I believe in what he's doing and that he's building built however you want to say it something special at Sanford and um the way he coaches breeds success not just in sport but in life because it it really I mean William even you being a part of it like you can you can speak on how it builds mental toughness and how you go into a game knowing that you've earned the right to be confident you've earned the right to I'm not gonna say win because that makes it sound like you don't have to do anything but you just know at the end of the day like we are going to work harder than you. We're going to scrap harder than you. And, and I'd, I'd say I picked up plenty of life lessons from two years of just sitting on the sidelines and watching and observing every day and maintaining that relationship. There's so much that that was learned and is continuing to be learned, even watching from afar. Yeah, and so, uh, you know, I, I feel just so fortunate in a lot of ways to um, have had this opportunity, right? You know, how not many pl- people get to play for their high school coach, but beyond that, um, in 20 years, I think I can, there's, there's not even just a small chance. I think there's a, a pretty sizable chance that I'm going to look back and say, I had an opportunity to play meaningful years for two of the best coaches in college basketball. And, uh, that'll be pretty cool. So, uh, I think this is really just the start of a journey for Bucky. And that's not to say that he won't be at Sanford for 20 years. It just might be a 20 year, uh, dominant run, um, and obviously, the first domino has to fall. So uh, hopefully we can be that first domino. I think it's already started, but, uh, you know, only one team makes the tournament. And so that's what is really different with playing in a conference like the SOCOM, which is a very good league. Um, you talk about the shooting. You can talk about 
just the IQ of that league. Um, it's it's really talented. A lot of, a lot of uh, chess, not checkers in the SoCon. Chess, not yeah. checkers basketball. I mean, it's it's smart basketball. It's really good basketball. Alabama fans, you'll be familiar with Noah Gurley. Obviously, he came from the SoCon. Um, played for Furman, which is going to likely be our, our biggest rival this year. Um, terrific squad. I have nothing but positive things to say about them. But it's it's different when you know it's a one-bid league at the end of the day. Uh, obviously, maybe if, if Furman and, and us both go 38-2 and two and, uh, you know, you can pull up, maybe but we both get in or maybe something else happens. And that's not to say that there's no other team that can make it. You get to the conference tournament, literally anyone can make it, and especially in a league like that where there is such a small margin of error difference um, between the teams. So, you know, they're just terrific teams uh, from top to bottom. You can't go into a game just expecting to walk in there and win. Um, I mean, shoot, they might bomb you and hit 12 threes, 14 threes, 16 threes, and all of a sudden you look up and you're down 17 points. So um, It's been done before, though. In high school, you have plenty of experience of that type of stuff. Uh, one team that's going to shoot a lot of threes is Alabama. And no do, you like, do you like that like radio DJ uh, transition? Oh, that was that was great. You know, well, let's go sixty miles southwest to Tuscaloosa, down fifty nine. Uh, Alabama is going to shoot a lot of threes, and Alabama is going to play very well this year. I mean, one of the favorites in the SEC, uh, bringing back a lot of experience. Bringing in Brandon Miller among a lot of other guys. What? Who have you talked to from Alabama? What have they said? And what are you expecting uh, from this Crimson Tide team as they also tip off their season on Monday? You know, I'm going to address what I'm about to say to Crimson Tide fans. I'm assuming if you're listening to this pod, there's a very good chance you are one. Um, and it's it's this. First of all, I have very high expectations for this team. Every person I've talked to, um, whether it be staff, player manager someone even just maybe watched a practice and, and would talk to me and um they're so excited this this buy-in that this team has is is really high level i mean even just on the little details this team gets um how to be a successful organization how to how to be a pro day in and day out and that's the stuff you love to hear in the preseason because you're not expecting obviously you want to hear good basketballs being played but you're not expecting everything to be gelled and perfectly together but the talent's there. Um, the chemistry seems to be great. Obviously, you know Alabama fans got to watch the foreign tour and how they played. Um, I have very high expectations. I mean, and Brandon Miller, I think that kid is special. Like, is, special. Is he going to be the best player to ever put on an Alabama uniform? In, in this century, I think so. Let, you know, let, let, In the history of the program, I don't know. It, season hasn't started, but this guy's expectations are – Sky high, you know, and I'm not even going to say that that's impossible. I think he's he's going to be a great player. You want to slow the roll? The dude hadn't played a second in a crimson, you know, an Alabama uniform. That's yet. true. Um, and if any, if Alabama fans are good at anything, they're they're good at having really high expectations and getting extremely let down by uh, yeah. those expectations. This poor kid's going to drop 17 in his first game, and Alabama fans are going to be disappointed because they expected 24. And so. Uh, you know, I say that with love, but I, so I expect a lot. But I was, those those are the Alabama fans that start watching basketball in January and just tune in and see the stat sheet in November and are like, "What are we doing?" Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I was gonna I was gonna say, you know, I have very high expectations. I think in March this team is going to be a team poised to make a run. Um, the SEC is as good as it's, it's been. Um, so I think they have a chance to win the league. You know, I just think it's gonna be a really deep league, and so 
there's no telling how it's going to end up shaking out. Yeah, you know, I think there are five or six teams that could realistically win the league this year. Um, you know, but I'll say this: don't judge how this team will be in January based on how they are in November. Um, I that's just kind of how NATO's teams are, and that's not. I mean, shoot, they might come out and be incredible, and I might just look like an idiot here, but typically the first few games might not be the sharpest with turnovers. And this isn't even NATO's, you know, coach team specifically. This is every team nationally. But, you know, if they have a bad shooting night and have 17 turnovers, don't just assume that this team's going to be a terrible team in February. Um, you know, I want to remind you guys. Please don't cast out Alabama, but especially any team in college basketball until we hit 2023. Right. You know, and it's one of the things of, you know, I guess two years ago we started four and three. Um I believe that's right, and we ended up 16-2 and two in the SEC. So all it is to say, you know, while I think that there's a lot of experienced guys, this is a very new roster, right? I think they're only returning five scholarship players. Um, obviously, they're returning a lot of walk-ons, which I will always represent the walk-ons. Uh, Turn up! And their impact on the on the program. But, uh, you know, having eight new scholarship players, that's that's a lot. That's a lot. That's a huge roster turnover. Um, and obviously changes need to be made. I'm not going to be the one to sit here and argue with it, but all this to say, I think these guys are gelled. I think the having that foreign tour was huge for them because they were able to actually get real game experience, real practice experience because your hours ramp up for that foreign tour. So you have a real season practice. Um, uh, Britton question for you on Alabama. We're, yeah. we're, some of the, uh, characters online on, on twitter.com are asking about, um, personality traits and many are saying few but many are saying that uh adam cottrell and courtside with cottrell is giving us better better content than we've seen in years what what is your response to that you know and and this this is the message that goes out to aaron jordan aj you're my guy uh the sid for the alabama basketball team for those who don't know that is that's my dude former steven gonzalez is now the new sid oh I stand corrected. AJ has uh, taken over the director of communications. All right. Well, for he's one. Of, he's still overseeing. All he's of our it. guy. He's, he's our the guy. one I credit. I don't know Stephen Gonzalez. No, hey, yeah, I'm sure he's a great guy, but I don't. I don't know. But um, it has been remarkable to see. Kind of, I, I feel like the day to day social media output of Alabama basketball has been incredible in the off season, and that can go back to uh, everything on the foreign tour. Even as little things of guys coming out of practice, everyone is enjoying kind of getting to see their personalities come out a little bit more. Um, and I love that because it is a very high character group of guys. So the more you uh, shine a spotlight on them, the more they're going to shine. You know, whereas some some teams, uh, if you shine a spotlight on them, you might not like what you see. Yeah. Um, so I think it's a really great group, and it's been really cool to see. Court, court side with Cottrell, AC's my guy. Uh, that dude is hilarious. Uh, if you ever are looking to hear a dad joke, just hit him up. He's the guy for it. But uh, it, right. and to be fair, Steve uh, Stephen Gonzalez started like a couple weeks ago. So yeah, Aaron, no, I mean, Aaron's AJ, been with AJ's the program for like it. a yeah. decade. AJ's been doing it. AJ's the man. That's my guy. Um, you know, I would would I have loved a courtside with Britton Johnson? Baseline sure. baseline with Britton. Yeah, you know, you can come up with a hundred different great names for it. I, Johnson's jumper. Look, all I'm saying is if y'all thought some of the Backhanded compliments that Oates gave Cottrell were good. He gave AC. I mean, like those were good. Man, he would have one upped it though with me. Hey, he loved a good backhanded compliment. Uh, 
give me a hard time. That was kind of uh, well, our relationship. Well, speaking of which, I've, I've been tweeting at Coach Oates for weeks leading up to SEC Media Day, telling him that you and I would give him a tour of the mean streets of Mountain Brook and take him <laughs> to fine dining establishments. Um, we won't mention any names because we don't have any sponsors. Yeah, but, uh, no free shout-outs. Yeah, no free shout-outs. We don't do that on the Main Streets podcast. <laughs> but he didn't take us up on it. He was in our neighborhood. He was in Roger Hoover's literal backyard at the Grand Bohemian in Mountain Brook. Crazy stuff. That's a flex, Roger. That's a flex. Um, <laughs> and didn't hit us up. And he was in our city. So, okay, that's cool. Yeah, no. Thanks, Coach. Let me, let me know when you're back. Yeah, we... Yeah. Offer still stands. Offer still stands, absolutely. Um, and that, not even just for Oates, but also for Charlie Henry, uh, Antoine Petway, really anybody on the staff. Uh, and they've, they've come guys. to see some players at Mountain Brook, so I'm sure they'll be around some. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, not naming names because I believe that there also uh, is a recruit that Sanford is going after. So, you know, I got a little battle going in uh, the mean streets uh, recruiting. Oh, battle. yeah. So, uh, you know. All love to that guy. This is not a recruiting podcast. Yeah, but that, that's not the point of this. Um, so yeah, all that is to say, I, I you know, kind of backtracking a bit, but you know, I think Alabama's gonna be really good this year. But uh, you know, if they drop a game in the middle of November that maybe they shouldn't have, hey, know that Alabama's always gonna have a really good non-conference schedule. Um, yeah, so that's the just, best in the country compared to people like Arkansas. Yeah, you know, I wasn't going to name names, but I guess now that I'm out of the conference, I, I have more freedom to do so. I mean, um, Arkansas is playing no one. Well, they they played a great exhibition. They had a great exhibition against I mean, who? A church league team? No, Texas. I mean, they got they oh. lost by thirty, but uh, good. It's exhibition, so I mean, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. But um, but yeah, I have high expectations for this team, and, and it's been really cool to kind of keep up with those guys. You know, I think Charles is going to have a great year. Um, I think JQ is going to come back and have a great year. I saw he was preseason first team All SEC, um, and man, I'm so proud of him because the, the few times I've gotten to talk with him or just talk with people around him, it, his resilience and, and responding to that injury and his uh, ability to kind of just fight through this whole rehab process has been so impressive. Uh, you know, I don't want to get Alabama fans too excited, but I think he. Uh, this is kind of common knowledge at this point. I'm not you know, releasing any new information. He's a little bit ahead of what we originally thought was going to be his return date. And he's put out some social media videos of him in practice where it is unfair. Now, poor Max. Yeah. You had poor some, Max. You had uh, the shark. Is it the shark? The Max? shark. Absolutely. You had the shark getting absolutely crossed over. Look, um, I, I want, if you're going to go back and watch the video, this again, my bias, I'm always going to defend my boys. Not bad defense. Not bad defense. He kind of, he, you know, he. There's a little bit of a gap when when JQ had the little step back tween, um, but really he was kind of there. It was a good contest. Just you know, it's one of those we call it good D better O. Um, so I, and I, as as a former Alabama scout team member, I'm sure you would have been very happy with your uh, performance as long as you didn't end up crisscross applesauce in midair, falling back on your backside, and then ending up viral on World Star or something. Hey, I was I was a lockdown scout player. Let's not get that twisted. I was you know talk to Keon Ellis about me. Were you Herb Jones <laughs> level scout player? No. Okay. No. No. And, well, and, the Herb was never well, scout. Also, team. you got to keep in mind I was matched up against Herb. So not only was I guarding Herb, but Herb was always guarding me for scout. And so. Uh, so what you're saying is you should be picked up on a 10 day contract or a two or a two way contract from the Pelicans to guard Herb and practice to make him better. Shoot, the way that kid's, the way that guy's improved, I don't know. 
you know, I, I, I didn't have enough to guard him then. I'll, I really don't have enough to guard him now. So uh, we, we had our little battles there. Sometimes I have my days. All right, Britton, we want to, we're going to have a podcast at some point where we just talk about stories, and we could sit here and, and talk about these all day long. Absolutely. Uh, but we're going to close it out. We don't want to hit that 30-minute threshold. So we are going to, in 15 seconds or less, or 20 seconds or 30, whatever, uh, I want you to talk about your opinion on the first college football playoff poll, which was a snoozer for me. To me, it's irrelevant until the last two or three polls. So what are your thoughts? So get, you know, first of all, giving me 15 seconds on this is a little a little brief. I will credit myself before we talk about the college football playoff rankings for if you go back to the last hot take that was made, I believe I said that Brian Harson would not make it to the end of the year. I was right. I mean, I'm not to say that that was necessarily the hardest guess in the world, but that was a pretty big buyout. So um, I guess the yellow fella came through, is uh, dropping that bag. Maybe they'll go after a, a, a big-name guy. Who knows? But, you know, going back to the football teams that actually matter, um, you know, I think at the end of the day, if we've learned anything, like, we should not let the first playoff rankings phase us. Like, I, it really doesn't matter. The LSU being a top 10 team is great for us. Uh, I think that they're really – the committee wants Alabama in. Now, that's kind of what I, I mean. If you didn't already know, like, we have to win out, but they made it so that – not only can we get in, but we could be a number two or number one seed if we. They went don't out. want to admit it, but they want us. Look, revenue's a thing, money's a thing, and the two most market, you know, the the most marketable player in college football is Bryce Young, and Will Anderson's the most marketable defensive player. So, and Nick Saban's money. Like at the end of the day, Alabama's the standard. They want Alabama in, and that's not to say we're going to get any favors along the way. But they put LSU at 10 and Ole Miss at 11, so we have an opportunity to have back-to-back top 10 road wins uh, on our way to go to Atlanta and either get revenge, well, either way get revenge because it'll be Georgia or, or Tennessee. Um, and we're not telling you anything you don't know. If if we were giving you information we you didn't know, we Britton and I would be on TV working for ESPN. Yeah, 100%. We're two guys sitting in a box talking about a podcast yeah. on a podcast. But I guess the thing with the playoff rankings is, like, I love the hypotheticals. Like, I, you know, I'm talking with my friends about it, and, like, I, I love talking through these hypotheticals of what if TCU wins out? What if this happens? Well, what it's like happens? Georgia or Tennessee's out. Alabama controls its own destiny by winning and or losing, and then you're in or out. Uh, I mean, just based off what the playoff committee said about TCU and their strength of schedule and the way they've fluctuated in games, they're not ahead of Alabama, and they're not going to be. So... Well, I mean, look, is this, what, year nine of the uh, playoffs? Year nine? Yeah, something like that. Michigan and Ohio State are going to play. Like, let's let the, let's let, let the cards kind of fall where they may. Let's let the, you know, the games happen, and let's just see where they all, the chips fall. And, like, I, I, I genuinely believe that at the end of the day, if we take care of business, we'll be looking real good, and I think we'll be exactly about where we're standing. Exactly. To, like, be worried about, oh, man, like, TCU or Clemson or whatever, like, it's all going to work itself out. I mean, you got to remember the inaugural college football playoff rankings. Do you remember who the number one overall team was? Mississippi State. Exactly. And it's like one of those things of like, it's just going to settle itself out. And they're on their third coach since. Yeah. What frustrates me is uh, pizza. Their grade eight, the, the pizza party Clemson Tigers. Uh, like, they're probably going to go undefeated. Would they? How would they fare versus Alabama? I think they would lose by three touchdowns to Alabama. I mean, maybe, yeah. I, I you know, I, I think they'd probably lose the by two touchdowns to Michigan. 
maybe I, I could understand the whole Michigan Clemson thing, but at the end of the day, it just doesn't matter. It doesn't yeah, matter. It doesn't matter. So we will stop talking yeah. about it. Uh, Main Streets Podcast. Check us out uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Main Streets Pod. We post content somewhat frequently. Uh, as, as frequently as Sanford posts pictures of Britain, we get Main Street's pictures up. Uh, I've got a great picture of you from tonight serving, was it tacos or food or something? Yeah, yeah, we were serving Taco Mama. Yeah, that's going to be a meme in about 20 minutes after I edit this podcast. Love that. Uh, I'm William Galloway. Britton Johnson, you've got the final word as we close out this episode of the Main Street's podcast. Yeah, big game in Brian Denny West this weekend, also known as Tiger Stadium. Um really exciting weekend of sports and upcoming week of sports so uh i guess merry christmas in a way to all you sports fans out there Uh, you'll go bulldogs you'll hear from us before christmas don't worry absolutely roll tide go bulldogs absolutely let me let me actually give you the last word go ahead no it's kind of the last word i'll I'll end it with a go bulldogs